It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is, is the Go Birds Podcast. Go Birds! Go Birds! Hey, hello. The Go Birds podcast presented by Parks Sportsbook and Casino. James Seltzer, Elliot Shore, Parks coming your way. A little Eagles-Ravens action this week. What up, E? James, I'm currently deciding what color of the new iPhone I want to get. Every year I tell myself <laughs> I'm not going to upgrade. It's pointless. Like, And then I see the commercial and the ad for it, and I'm like, I'm in. So that's kind of what I've been spending a little bit of my uh, my time doing today. I am and then not preparing su- for the game, obviously. Yeah, I am not surprised priorities. by that at all. I, it w- would it surprise you to know that I just got my first new phone in six years? That's how I roll. It would not. It. That's how it I roll. Yeah. My phone was literally on its last legs. It was dead. And I've, I got a new I'd be one. very interested to know which phone you got. I, mean, I, I know got, you I got iPhone, the, but. so I got, I got the, 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 like oldest version of the it. new yeah, one. I knew that. You, you know what doing. it is? Is I hate not having the button. So mm. I was able to. I need. You know. I, I needed the button. So I got the. I button. I think you would end up being okay without it. Just you so think you so? Know. Like when when I first switched. That's you know, what like Emily five said years to ago me. When the rest of yeah. society did. I, it was weird at first, but I, I eventually got used to it. Yeah, that's what Emily said to me. She's like, "You'll get used to it." You know, stop being a baby. And I said, yeah, no. Yeah, you really just need to man up on uh, this Ah, yeah. Well, guess what? I didn't. <laughs> Got the old one. Don't care. Well, to, to everybody listening that isn't, you know, an old man like James, if you have decided, are you going with the navy blue iPhone? What color are you going with? Tweet me. I would very much like to know because I am deciding. So obviously <laughs> a lot of important things going on in Eagles world, but... I need to know what the people want with the new iPhone. Yeah. So just just let me know. <laughs> I got the plain old black old one, and I am very happy. There we go. That's me. All right, let's dive in. We got a ton to get to. Um, let's start at the top with with uh, you know some some injury update type things and what's going on. I think that the number one thing that that Eagles fans are wondering is Deshaun and Alshon. How close to returning are they? Have they been practicing this week? And then after that, if they do play. Who's going to sit? So let's start with the how close are they? 
man, I'm so sick of answering this question. <laughs> it feels like it feels like we've literally been talking about this for two straight years, right? I mean, every week it's, you know, Doug's optimistic. They practiced today, but they were limited. It seems like they have a chance of playing. They're going to try to stretch for the game and see what happens. And ultimately, they either don't play or they play and they're kind of a non-factor. So when you talk about this week, I think there's a chance Alshon plays. This is week six. I think that there'll be some pressure within the organization to put him out there in week six so that, you know, it doesn't look bad they didn't put him on Pup because he would have been able to play in week seven had he been on Pup and they wouldn't have burned a roster. I love the, the idea time. that so, it doesn't already look bad. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole thing in general looks looks bad. Yes. But So I think that I would put the chances of Alshon playing, the highest they've been, uh, 45%. Wow. I think with Deshaun, it's it's higher. Um, I mean, Alshon did have on pads this week at practice, which is interesting. But uh, with Deshaun, I think it's a little higher. I think he's over 50%. But... Again, I mean, he didn't even like he he didn't even make it to uh, you know questionable last week. He was just flat out out. So I, I would put his chances. He'll probably be listed as questionable if I had to guess, and he'll you know fifty five percent. But at this point, like to the second part of your question, I just don't really care if they play. Like you know, like I, I don't see the benefit of them being out there. I want to see more of Travis Fulgham. I want to see you know John Hightower, Quez Watkins, like I Greg Ward. Uh, you know, I guess maybe even JJ, honestly. Like, I, I I, want to see Carson with these young receivers. Uh, Doug was asked this week kind of how he would figure it out. He dodged around the question. And, I, I you know, the Eagles have never shown anything that makes me think they're going to keep playing the young guys, right? Like, I, I think that once Deshaun and Alshon are healthy, they'll be out there. Maybe their, their snap count will be a little more limited and they'll, you know, kind of lie or not lie, I should say, but they'll kind of pretend that the reason it's limited is because they're easing them back in. But... I do think ultimately, like the starters will be Deshaun and Alshon when they're healthy. It's it's a it's an absolute joke, Elliot. It is an yeah. absolute, unequivocated joke. Like you've got to be kidding me. Uh, you said I don't care if they're out there. I actively don't want them out there. I don't want Deshaun on the field. I don't want. I particularly don't want Alshon on the field. And and the step further of it, like you just talked about, if they're going to take Travis Fulgham, which they probably won't because it's kind of hard to do at this point, but Travis Fulgham, young guys, like you mentioned, Hightower, Watkins, all these guys who can grow for the future on a 1-3-1 one, and one team that is probably going to lose again this week, that is maybe going to limp into the playoffs as the NFC's champ in, a, in the worst division in the history of football, like, I again, I still want them to make the playoffs, but I want them to make the playoffs with young guys. Like, I, I yeah. care more about... These guys getting reps, finding out who's got it, who doesn't, whatever, than I do about winning this game on Sunday or whatever. And even then, I don't think Alshon and Deshaun give you that much of a better chance to win. I mean, Al D Deshaun, you can't count on that guy at all. Like, even if he does, quote-unquote, start, there's such a great chance that he's not going to make it through the game. Like, he's like, what are the odds that he's actually going to play a game healthy and get through it? It's just... It is a complete and total joke. If they put Deshaun and Alshon out there over young wide receivers, I, like I'm, I'm getting to the point where I want them to fire Howie Roseman, Elliot. Like I have been, I have been trending that way, as you know. Like if they do this again, it's just another example of why Howie has to go. That's where I'm at. Well, it's funny, uh, you know, like before the show for for the listeners out there. Before the show, uh, I'll text James or he'll text me and say, you know, what are we thinking for today? And I feel like every week your leadoff topic has been, I'm done with Howie. I know. Like, like, I know. And you just text this day, like nothing even really happened. I mean, we'll get into the Casey Tuhill stuff, but that was still your leading topic. And uh, yeah, look, I, I think that's dead on. And I think one point that you said is especially important when discussing this. 
we don't even know if Deshaun and Alshon are good anymore. Like yep. this idea of, the, of like put them out there. They're going to help the team. Like, are we even sure that's the case? I mean, they were bad last year with Alshon out there. I know he was really good against Miami, but noteworthy they lost that game. Um, and I, I just think that you don't know what Deshaun and Alshon is going to bring. I mean, Travis Fulgham has all, almost as many receiving yards as Deshaun Jackson does since coming back to the Eagles at the start of 2018. <laughs> Man, it's unbelievable. I mean, think about that. Like, Deshaun has been a complete non-factor besides week one. There's been, uh, I can't do the math, like 20-something straight Eagles games where he's been a complete non-factor. And so this idea of, like, well, you have to put him out there because you got to give Carson the best guys, like, I don't even know if that's true. So, you know, when I go out there at practice and I watch him and, like, yeah, I just want the young guys out there with with Carson, and 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 it's not a you know put less talented guys out there around him. It's just a, these are guys you can count on, and I don't know what Travis Fulgham's going to be, but I, I think against the Ravens this week, there there is a chance both of them are active. I think so, and, I, and I'll also say the last thing before we go get into like a thirty minute rant about this. It's clearly something we're both very passionate <laughs> oh, about. Buddy. But the last thing I'll say is like I actively feel bad for the fan base that they have to like get fed to them that they should be excited about Alshon like coming back, you know, like, or like this idea that like, well, we have Alshon and Deshaun coming back. Like that's going to be a positive, like, come on, man. Like, like the Eagles, Eagles fans are smarter than that. Like maybe they'll come back and they'll have a great game and we'll be salty for one week. But what are the chances of Deshaun and Alshon playing five consecutive games uh, together? Zero, like literally 0% chance. That's right. what I believe. So, so what's the point here? I, I'm so with you. And like Alshon, a perfect example, talking about how good, it, how actually how good are these guys? I mean, not only has Alshon not looked good in well over a year when we've seen him play, he looked incredibly slow, like hard to believe yes. slow. And he's coming off a Liz Frank injury. Like, why would we think this guy's going to go out there and be good? It's a crazy, crazy thought. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that Travis Fulgham is a better football player than Alshon Jeffrey right now. Like, not even a question. It's not even yeah. close for me. And that's even without considering the Liz Frank injury and how much he can actually give and how much he can actually do. This is, again, that's why I come back to Howie. This is a classic, classic Classic example of what Howie Roseman continues to do. I paid this guy the money. He's on the team. We're going to use him. He's going to be out there instead of, oh, this guy, Travis Fulgham, is just way better. Like, I don't care what you paid them. I don't care that you made this mistake. It's over. Be willing to accept your mistakes and move forward. And Howie Roseman can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I would just flat out release them both, Me to be quite honest. Like, I would just flat out release them both. Um, But... Would you say there's a trade market for them? No. I mean, maybe Deshaun. Let's put it this way. If Deshaun comes back this week and is healthy, and <laughs> if, like oh, capital letters, if, oh, the, the largest letters you can get, if. If Deshaun comes back and is healthy for a few weeks in a row before the trade deadline and flashes some speed and, and ability, maybe you could get a fifth or a sixth for him or something like that. Maybe... Probably well, not. Keep in mind, the Eagles only got a the Eagles traded yeah, a six for right, him two a years six or a seventh, I should say. So unlikely, I would guess no. And we know Alshon doesn't because if Alshon had had any value over the last two years, they would have traded him. Yeah, I think that's where I fall on it. I mean, I wrote an article for the website, and like the teams that would have interest, I think, in trading for them are like very specific. They have to be a win now team that like thinks they have a legitimate chance of either reaching the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl this year. They have to have a need at receiver and they have to have the cap space. And there just aren't many teams out there. Like 
I thought maybe the Packers, they need help at receiver. They have a legitimate chance. They have cap space. The Niners are fading a little bit, so maybe they're not really in that group anymore, but I think they're they're there. And I, I think the uh, the Ravens, we're going to talk about, their, their receivers are okay, and they're, I would say, a legitimate like Super Bowl contending team. So there are potential teams out there, but again, when you're talking about what you're going to get, I, I would trade them for anything. So, you know, even yeah, if well, it's you just, just someone you would cut. cut him. Yeah, you just said you would cut them, so literally you would trade yeah. for anything. Just to save the money. So, but I, I don't think I think the chances of it uh, of it happening are slim. And I think that <laughs> I think on the post game pod, you know, whenever that first game is, I think we'll be talking about uh, them playing. And the last thing, last thing I actually will say, oh, is, I'm so embarrassed by this. Who do, who do you thing. think Carson wants out there? I think he wants the young guys out there, don't you? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And I think that matters, and that should matter when you Again, know deciding. All who- the evidence we see is that he's better with them. Like just facts, like blatant right. facts. He is better with the young guys. Doug is better with the young guys. These guys are not adding anything, and in fact, they're taking away. It's amazing how many conversations we've had about this team over the last year or two. That the name switches out, but the premise is the same. Of like. This older guy is going to maybe come back after being injured, and they're going to play him under over oh. uh, uh, over a younger guy. Oh. I mean, look, we're we're gonna get into Casey Tuhill in a little bit, but like, there's another classic example of like them picking older guys over younger guys. And you think that is because they think they have a like? You think that's because they think they have a real chance to win the division, or you think they're just loyal to these guys? I think it's probably both. I think it's I think the division is probably the first reason, but again, I think it's just. Roster mismanagement. You know, I think on a yeah. on a basic level, it's just roster mismanagement. And the Casey Tool is a perfect example of it, of mismanaging the roster. And they've done it over and over and over again. Alshon Jeffrey, another perfect example that he wasn't on the pup list. Roster mismanagement. Deshaun Jackson, not putting him on the short-term IR three weeks ago. He's missed three games. Should have put that guy on the short-term point. IR. I think about that. Of course. Yeah. Like, there's so many of these examples. Jalen Rieger, waiting a week to put him on the IR. It's unbelievable. It's like again and again and again and again. The roster is being mismanaged. It's, 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 Has Avante Maddox? He's not on IR, right? I don't think so. He could have done that, too. Again, <laughs> roster mismanagement. And then you have to lose a guy like Casey Tuil because of it. Like, if you had done that, you wouldn't have had to. It's just crazy. Yeah, so let, let's get into the Casey Tuil sure. thing now because the, the transition is perfect. So Casey Tuil, to me, is, to your point, such a classic example of the this team being mismanaged. So you're telling me a player you drafted in the seventh round, you thought well enough to keep on your initial 53, right? You played, I think, 20-plus snaps in one game. Now all of a sudden you cut him just to bring Vinny Curry or Will Parks back? Like Will Parks. And real quick, real quick, kept him on the 53 over, and not that I'm saying you should have, but a fourth-round pick from last year in Shreve Miller. Theoretically, I know it's a different position, but in essence, over Rasul Douglas, over Sidney Jones. I mean, there were guys who got cut from this roster who were somewhat recent high draft picks as well for Casey Tuhill. Yeah, Deontay Burnett, who hasn't done much, but was like a very good player in training camp. So to cut him... To bring back Vinny Curry, I like. There's so many other options of players to cut. Like example A, Vinny Curry. The pass rush has been absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes, well done. The, the, dude. Pass, that rush, was perfect. the pass rush has been absolutely fine, right? Like yep. wh- why, why you don't need Vinny? And I like Vinny Curry, right? He's a solid player. Vinny Curry is not going to be on this team in 2021. Casey Tuhill might be, and it's just like so. You you draft this guy in the seventh round. You sit here and talk about. The upside he has, how you know he's a high motor, great pass rush skill set. Howie Roseman says he was one of the guys that really won a job in training camp with a great training camp. And then you just straight up cut him for nothing. And the fact that multiple teams put in a claim for him, 
I'm not saying you definitely could have traded him for something, but Washington is like very high on the uh, waiver radar, right? Like they, they, I don't know, what's their record? Have they won a game all year? Uh, oh yeah, they beat. They beat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, I mean, but you probably could have traded him. But regardless, like, so now he's on Washington, who I think their scouting department, at the very least, has shown they know how to draft defensive ends or alignment. Right? They have a they have a great defensive line. They don't have a need there, so clearly they thought a lot of them to pick him up. And you've just given up on Casey Tuhill. Like he's gone. Just given up on him, so you could bring Vinny Curry back off of IR. Like, wh- wh- why? And it, it seems like a small thing, and maybe you're listening to this and saying, like, look, it's Casey Tuhill. Who cares? But it's little things like this that build up over time that turn you in from the new norm that wins a Super Bowl to a team that is trying desperately to avoid being 1-4-1 one, one this weekend. So yeah, yeah, I thought the Casey point. Tuhill thing was, was ridiculous. Frankly, cutting Graylin Arnold was ridiculous, too. Like, they're lucky he got through. There's so many guys I can point to on this roster that shouldn't be here over Casey Tuhill. Corey Clement. I think that running back Jason Huntley shouldn't be here. Granted, he was a fifth-round pick. Like, you could argue logic of young player there, but he's not even seeing the field. Why is, like, he he could have been cut. Hakeem Butler, they picked him up off the tra- off a training camp, are trying to teach him a new position. He's been inactive, and then they brought up that uh, tight end Kroom from the practice squad, too. Like, why is Hakeem Butler on this roster? He would have made it through waivers. No question. No one's picking up Hakeem Butler. Like, Sua Opeta, no one's probably picking him up. Just bring him back up. Like, the fact that they lost Casey Tuhill, it's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely wild. It, it just shows, well, it's like, unnecessary. As you said, it's unnecessary. It mismanagement. Yeah, it's unnecessary. That's a perfect word. Like, this could have been avoided. Are you telling me anybody's claiming Marcus Epps? No. <laughs> no. No one's claiming him. No. Like People so. can't believe he's actually playing on the field for the Eagles. They're like, wow, really? Yeah. So, I just, I thought it was absolutely wild. That yeah. it happened. And then the fact he got claimed by Washington is really just the cherry on top of like a really bad move. I'm so with you, Elliot. I, I saw it and and it was even one that that all the beat writers, when they made him available, you know, when they they did not protect him, everyone's like, Well, this is a strange move. Why would you do this? Yeah. Like everybody, like everybody called it out. And then like an hour later he's on Washington and it's like, wow, every single yeah. person who covers this team knew that this was a bad move. In the moment, before he even got claimed by another team, and then he gets claimed by a division rival, I mean, it's embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing. I mean, it's basically just—it's basically just throwing a pick away. It's it literally. It is literally yeah. throwing a draft or, pick away for Vinny or Curry. another way, just giving a draft pick to Washington. Yeah, well said. It's like tra- you're right. We were just talking about what could you get for Deshaun Jackson, right? Like, could you get a seventh round pick for Deshaun Jackson? Washington didn't even need to give you anything for this seventh round pick. You just. Yeah, gave it just, to him. just gave him to him. Just gave him to him. So oh, small man. thing, but it's just. But you're right. No, another. It, it, it's a small player, but it's endemic of a bigger problem, and that's that's what we're talking about. Is that that it is a, a, an example of this team being mismanaged from a roster yes. perspective, week after week after week, player after player after player. This team is being mismanaged, and also to your point, I mean, you mentioned the new norm, which obviously now you know could go down in the the annals of of absurd stupid Philadelphia sports comments. I mean it's right there if we don't we don't and you know the the gold standard, gold standard. and all that stuff. I mean it's going to be one of those things if they can't write this, right? I mean they were like every year you know, bye week all oh, you know, new norm. Like they they're going to look like morons. Like when they, if they get fired, if whether it's Howie Douglas, particularly Howie, 
if they get fired because this continues to go down the wrong way and head down the wrong path, people are gonna be like, huh, new norm. Cool. Good talk. You yeah. know, and 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 with that as the the template that you're going for, right? I think that that's part of the problem with Howie is that like his whole like we're never rebuilding. Don't even say that word around me. Well, guess what, buddy? Sometimes you have to. Sometimes you mm-hmm. have to look at your team and say, man, this team's bad. This is a bad football team with a lot of older guys. We have very, very little precious young talent that we can count on for the next decade or the next three years or whatever, and you can't do things like this. You can't let a guy who, and again, it's a seventh-round pick, I get it, but it's someone who at least has some sort of upside, someone who maybe could give you something in the future, and you just let him go to bring Vinny Curry back to a team that's 1-3-1. and one. It's crazy, Elliot. It is actually crazy. I- I'm, I'm so out on Howie Roseman. I'm so far out on this guy. I really am. Like, I'm, I'm getting to the fire Howie Roseman point. That's where I'm at. T- tune in next Thursday when James has his latest uh, his well, latest Howie Roseman yeah, rant. Just so. wait. I mean, I tweeted fire Matt Klintak like every day for like six months. Just yeah, wait. Don't get on James' bad side. It's yeah. hard to do, but once you're there, it's, hard, it's impossible to get off it. We're so, he- Howie, you've, you've been officially warned. We're heading there, Elliot. All right, I want to talk about two big-time names in Philadelphia Eagles sports history. And, and certainly right now in a sec. But quickly, uh, uh, before we get off the injuries and stuff, Will Parks, are we are we ever going to see him play a game as an Eagle? I know he's practicing now. Is Will Parks an yeah, Eagle? I think What's he, the deal? I think he plays this week. Oh! Uh, Nicole Roby Coleman said he thinks having a back will help. I think... I mean, think about it this couple... way. We had, real quick, we had a caller bring up that if Will Parks is on the roster, Nate Gary's probably not covering Chase Claypool in that situation, which I thought was a really interesting point. Yeah, I, I do still think Nate is going to be on the field, but that that was where I was going. I do think that Will Parks coming back means less Nate Gary, especially on passing down. So I, I think that that is one benefit. What I would ha- what I would uh, kind of caution Will, Will Parks is we really have no idea if he's good or not, right? Like he he didn't totally. play a ton in Denver, and and in fact when he did play, like the advanced stats on him, pro football focus stuff is not kind. Like he did not put up great numbers in Denver. He's missed a lot of time. I didn't think he especially stood out in training camp. So, uh, look, Nate Gary is playing poorly right now, so I think almost anybody would be an upgrade over Nate Gary at this point in coverage. But I I would just caution on Will Parks coming in and, like, being a huge difference maker. I think there's a better chance if Will Parks sees, like, substantial playing time on Sunday that he's more of a liability considering he has not played a football (laughs) game. No, it's a fair point. In like ten months, so I would I would caution on that. But I, I do think he'll uh, I do think he'll be active. Is my guess. Look, it can't get much worse than Nate Gary. So if he takes time away from Nate Gary, I mean the stat that's going around this week, the twenty three passes at Nate Gary, twenty three receptions. I mean that's that's shocking, Elliot. I not mean, great. It's it's not great, especially because that's the thing Nate Gary is supposed to be good at, right? I mean we all know right. he's not good at anything. He's a horrible player. But the thing, the reason Nate Gary's on the field is because he's supposed to be good in coverage. He's clearly not a good run-stopping linebacker. He's like my size. Like, what are we doing here? But I mean, you, I, I mean, I can't get worked up about the Nate Gary thing. I know, you know I know, and you're right. Again, you the point you keep making with the Nate Gary thing that no one wants to hear, but is dead on true, is that it's not Nate Gary's fault. It's Howie freaking Roseman's fault. It's the coaching right. staff's fault. It's all the people who believe in Nate Gary and put him on the field and give him these opportunities. It's not Nate's fault. Nate's just not good enough. It is what it is. And, and, and keep in mind, if they're playing Nate Gary, that means they don't think the other linebackers are better. Now, like, Davion Taylor, maybe you could just put him out there because— How sad is that? Davion Taylor was a third-round like, 
pick, Elliot. A third round pick. Yeah. I know he's a project, but he was a third round pick, and he can't get on the field, man, with this defense, with this line. I would say, I would say there's about even odds of Davion Taylor having a sack with the Eagles for the rest of his career as there is of Casey Toole having one, even though he is currently on Washington. <laughs> I roster. think you're right, man. Why should we believe in Davion Taylor ever? Like, especially yeah. considering the guy who drafted him. Like, why should I believe in that guy? And then you see all these guys, these third and fourth round linebackers who are already starting for teams like Weatherspoon and all these guys who are making plays, and it's just a killer. It's really it's really bummer. It's frustrating. Um, all right, I want to get to a, a big name uh, in one second. But first, I mean, since we mentioned Gary, I want to bring up Jim Schwartz quickly because it is – it has not been a great week for Jim Schwartz here in Philadelphia, and, and there's always been the Schwartz hate, but I think a lot of people out there understand that Jim Schwartz has done a really good job for the most part in Philadelphia. But it Do is, a lot of people? Well, that's, a lot where, of people that's where I'm going because I want to bring up a tweet you put out that I thought, yeah. I read the tweet, and my response was, yeah, Elliot's absolutely right. Your tweet was that Jim Schwartz, was it Jim Schwartz is a very good defensive coordinator, I think was the phrasing. Um, so I have the tweet. I have the tweet right yeah, here. Yeah, lay it on me. So I put very simply, Jim Schwartz is a very good defensive coordinator. Yep. And guess it what? Got... It's true. That is a true yeah. statement. Jim Schwartz is a very good defensive coordinator. You got killed. Yes, absolutely <laughs> roasted on Twitter. Like destroyed. Yeah. Which, you know, is kind of a weekly occurrence for me, so I'm not going to sit here and act like. But, but here's what's so interesting about this, right? This is how bad things have gotten with the Eagles that I am defending the team's defensive coordinator. I'm telling people, hey, you know what? It was a bad game last week, but the Eagles have a really good defensive coordinator. And people are so mad at that. They're so mad at this team that the mere, like, me defending their own, like, the, their own defensive coordinator got them very frustrated. So it really speaks to what the Eagles have done to this fan base, that that's kind of, like, where things are at. But I don't even think it's a question that Jim Schwartz is a very good defensive coordinator. Here, here's some stats for you, James. Since 2016, so since he's taken over in his four plus years or whatever, so this includes the first four weeks of or first five weeks of 2020, he's eighth in points allowed. So the Eagles defense, only seven teams over the last four plus years have allowed more points than the have allowed less points than the Eagles. They're first in playoff points per game, even including that bad Super Bowl. Which is wild. That is wild. That is yeah. a wild stat. Fourth and third downs. So this whole thing, like they never get off the field on third down. They actually get off the field almost more than any other team in the league on third down. <laughs> that is wild, Eighth in sacks. First in rushing defense. Eleventh in red zone defense. And this one was most surprising to me. Did, did I'll actually ask you this? But did did you see where they're at in takeaways over the last four plus years? No, no. I would get. Let me get. I mean, like, I, I'm assuming it's going to be higher, but if you had not set up the question this way, I would have said middle of the pack. I would have said like 14th or 16th or something like that. 10th. Wow. Wow. Surprising, right? Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And also, last year, they forced more three and outs than any defense in the entire league. Wow. So These are, these are real. Get, Elliot, don't let facts get in the way of this whole Jim Schwartz sucks thing. I mean, what are we right, doing exactly. here? Right, <laughs> exactly. And like both, both statements can be true. They lost that game on Sunday because of the defense, flat out. That play on Nate Gary with Chase Claypool, Jim Schwartz deserves credit, deserves blame for that. Like good play by Ben Roethlisberger, but the defense deserves blame for that, flat out. But Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator, very good defensive coordinator, honestly borderline elite defensive coordinator, and this idea that, like, he needs to be fired is crazy. The defense is going to be fine. And, look, Baltimore might light them up. That could happen. Baltimore is good, although 
I'm skeptical it will happen, but it's possible. But ultimately, the Eagles' defense is going to be, be fine because Jim Schwartz's defense has shown over a long stretch, not just in Philadelphia, but over the stretch of his career, he's a very good defensive coordinator. So if the Eagles don't make the playoffs, it will not be because of the defense. And I'll also say that you don't, not you, but like fans don't get to sit here and say, the personnel is so bad, blah, blah, blah. And then also say Jim Schwartz sucks. Like the Eagles defense, they've spent more money on the offense every year since 2016. Jim Schwartz has been playing, in theory, with worse players than Doug Peterson's offense has. And I believe the defense has outplayed the offense over the last four, ever since 2016. So Jim Schwartz is a very good defense coordinator. I know it's frustrating to hear for some reason, even though he's the Eagles defensive coordinator, but he is. He's a very good defensive coordinator. And I don't get why I got ratioed on that tweet. Honestly, I just don't. I don't either. And like people were calling it like clickbait and stuff, or like tweetbait. And stuff. Yeah. Well, there's no but, link first of all. Yeah. So like, also, it's like, it's the mo- It's what are we talking about here? Like, what are we doing here? I, right. Elliot, everything you said, I have nothing to add. I think you nailed it. I 100% stand with you. I think Jim Schwartz is a very, very good NFL defensive coordinator. Does he have flaws? Of course. There are some times where he's not as aggressive as we'd like him to be, and there are certain things where you know you can question his decision-making. But on the whole, and those numbers you just put out there could not prove it better, Jim Schwartz is a damn good defensive coordinator, and I think it's, it's, it's crazy the amount of hate he gets and, in this city. And I get, the, I get that like Rasul Douglas being really good at, in Carolina, like, looks bad for the Eagles, right? And I Sydney get that Sidney Jones, Jones having sure. a really good game looks bad. Like, LJ Ford, who the Eagles will see this week, I get all that. But nobody's perfect. And of, like, Howie, Doug, uh, like, Howie, Doug, Carson, and Jim Schwartz, you can make a strong argument that Jim Schwartz has been the best of the four. Now, I think, I personally think Doug has been, but, but you could make the argument it's been Jim Schwartz. So, have all their decisions on personnel been great? No. Do Jim, does Jim Schwartz hold blame in that? Absolutely. But the NFL is a bottom line business. I think actually Ray Dinger said this on your show. It's a bottom line business. And 80% of the Sundays where Jim Schwartz is your defensive coordinator, the defense plays well enough to win. It didn't last Sunday, and it didn't against the Rams. But overall, they've been good enough to win with Jim Schwartz as defensive coordinator. All right. One more uh, Eagles legend, legitimately, who's kind of been in the crosshairs of the fans and, and just across the board this season is Zach Ertz. And I know you've yeah. always been a big proponent of Ertz. We've kind of gotten into it about whether they should pay him now or should have paid him or all this stuff. But where are you at with Zach Ertz? What is going on with him? Why is he struggling so much, especially without Dallas Goddard out there? You would have thought there's a time for Ertz to really just take the leash and run with it. What's going on with Ertz? And are you concerned moving forward? So I, I took like a close look at kind of why I think Zach Ertz has been struggling. And what was interesting to me is if you would have asked me before I looked it up, I would have said he's slower than last year and he's not getting as much separation. That's like, that would have been my eye test opinion. But the numbers show he's actually basically getting the same separation he has since 2017. So according to NFL Next Gen Stats, when the ball is thrown his way, whether it's complete or incomplete, just when the ball is thrown his way, he's averaging 2.8 yards of separation. In 2019, that number was 2.7. So more, but but basically the same. In 2018, it was 3.2. So about a half yard. Not a huge deal. 2017, the year they won the Super Bowl, obviously, it was 2.9. So he's basically getting the same amount of separation that he always has in in an Eagles uniform. Even in 2016, like four full years ago, it was 3.2. So I don't think Ertz is slowing down. I think what's happening... And this isn't like a pile on Carson thing, 
but Carson's been really inaccurate. And it's hard for any player that's a skill position player, unless you're Travis Fulgham, apparently. Well, that's to, what I was about to, put to say, up, yeah. Yeah, to put up huge numbers. So only 60% of the targets that have been thrown Zach Ertz's way are, have been deemed catchable by pro football focus. Only 21 of the 33, I think it is, targets. Maybe it's a little more than that. But it's 60%. So he's just not getting accurate balls thrown his way. Now, maybe he holds blame in that, but I think of all the players on the roster that you could say are running the correct route, like Zach Ertz is it. Well, except and on the interception I, when he didn't, when he didn't. Well, all right. So here's what I would say about the interception. Watching it live and in the postgame pod, I agreed. It looked like he got bumped off his route and just kind of quit well, on Richie it. Richie kind of, what it is, is he tried to screen out. He ran the wrong, like he started running his route. He got bumped. He gave up on his route and was trying to be helpful. He was trying to screen the player, according to Richie, but he still didn't, was not in the supposed he would, spot he was supposed to be at. Well, so I saw some people tweet this, and I would be interested in your take on it. Like, that the ball was not supposed to go his way. It was supposed to go to Miles Sanders. And so that would probably well, back what, up. Yeah, what, that's what Richie was talking about. Richie said Sanders was running. A, he said it was a flat route. He ran a poor route. But that Sanders was running a, a essentially like a kind of wheel route, like in, out in the flat, yeah. and that the play was designed for Sanders. So what Ertz was doing when he got knocked off his route was trying to screen the defender from going out that direction. But he still, in a basic level, was supposed to run that route, and you can't change your route when the quarterback is expecting you to be somewhere because yes. they don't always go to the first option, obviously. Agreed. Agreed. So that, that was not a good play by him. I agree. But I, I think my point is I don't think Zach Ertz is, like, a less of an athlete than he used to be. I don't think he's slower. I mean, we talked in the preseason about one thing that you can count on with Ertz in terms of him aging well is that his game is not really built on athleticism. Like he's not George Kittle. He's not George Kittle is better than Zach Ertz. Is. He's a better athlete. Like he just is. But you look at like Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, he's getting like 15% more of his targets are deemed catchable. I, I, I just think that like a quarterback's like an, an engine, right? And when the engine of your car is not playing at a high level, it's hard for me to say, to blame any other part of the car for not working great because you just can't function when your engine's not working well. Now, now Wentz is improving. He was he was much better against the Steelers. So I do think the combination of Wentz improving is is going to make Ertz a more effective player. Now the question is, like, are they going to continue to target him, or, or are they going to like put Goddard in there when they're in eleven personnel? Is are they going to like move to highlighting Fulgham? I don't know, but I do I do not personally believe Zach Ertz is a worse player than he was last year. Yeah, I'm 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 not there. You've not sold me. I I think you've made some good arguments. I mean, five catches for 15 yards in the last two games, which It's bad. Yeah, and also the two games that Wentz has been best in. I mean, in Pittsburgh Wentz had some really accurate great throws and I understand what the numbers say, but man, it just feels like we're not getting the same hurts. And I understand what you're saying. Like I understand what the numbers are saying about separation and all that stuff, but I mean, just the attitude, the body language, the way he's gone about his business, like it has not felt like the same Zach Ertz to me. And I know that's I testy type stuff and all that, but I just haven't seen the same guy out there. And we know Carson loves him. I mean, he's Carson's best dude on the team. Like you would think yeah. that if Ertz were getting open to the point where he has in the past, and I know what the numbers say, you would think Carson would look for him. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm torn on the Ertz situation. I think that I think it's probably a combination of, of a few things. But on a basic level, you're Zach Ertz. You're, for all intents and purposes, playing for, for a contract. Like, you have to be better. You have to be better. You have to find a way to be better as he, far as I'm He concerned. definitely doesn't pass the eye test. 
I'll give you that. Like numbers aside, I agree with you on the thing. You just watch it and it looks like he's not the same player. Yep. Agreed. Yep. But the numbers, you know, he's look, getting as much separation. So point, I think he's also it's, earned it's, the benefit of the doubt. He's Zach freaking Ertz. He is literally an Eagles legend. He's one of the great Eagles of all time, certainly at his position. He has earned the chance for us not to bail on the guy because he's had a bad stretch of five football games and really a, a rough two-game stretch, like a horrible two-game stretch. He's just been awful. But he, yeah, deserves, actually, he deserves a second chance from us is my point. I was I was saving this take for the pod. I was going to tweet it, and then I was like, I'm oh, not going there. Love so this when is, you this save is for a the take pod. for a pod. Yeah, pod listeners only. It's interesting how Zach Ertz has been – one of the most consistent players in franchise history, the best tight end in franchise history, one of the main reasons they won the Super Bowl, and so many people are bailing on him after, at most, five bad games in a row. Like, Carson Wentz hasn't played at a high level for over two years, has really only been elite for about nine games of his career, and you see constant excuses made for him as to why he's not playing well. But with Zach Ertz, people are just ready to give up on him right away. And I guess he's like maybe older, but his injury history is not there. So I just think people should give Ertz the same benefit of the doubt they give Wentz because he's earned it more than Wentz has. Uh, look, I think it's a really fair point. And, and again, that's why I'm saying I'm giving Ertz a chance. I'm not out on Ertz, but I've been, I definitely think we can't sugarcoat what we've seen. He needs to be better. Agreed. Especially with yeah. Goddard out, especially with the lack of weapons they have. Like, this is the time where Zach Ertz should be dominating. Like, Zach Ertz should be the guy on offense where we say, him and Sanders. Like, all right, we got those two. We'll figure the rest out, and we haven't seen it. Yep. So, uh, But I agree. I'm, I'm not bailing on Ertz. All right, one last thing. We're going to get to Eagles-Ravens in a sec, but um, we didn't talk about it during our, our post-game show because it had not happened yet. <laughs> we we you know, yeah. actually, On our post-game show, we're talking about, you know, Dak throwing his six pick, pick six and up, they're coming back. They just scored a touchdown. Of course, after we aired, the Dak injury happens. We haven't really discussed it. What are your thoughts on the Dak injury, Andy Dalton playing for him, and what it means for the Eagles? So I think Dak is a great quarterback. I think he's probably top 10 when he's playing at his best. And even, you know, just average overall, even if you include his bad games, I still think he's pretty close to top 10. So Andy Dalton is not Dak. But I do think Andy Dalton can be serviceable. I think that Andy Dalton's probably top 25 quarterback-ish. I'm going to have to go through and look. But I think Andy Dalton is better than every other backup in the league. So I do think that Andy Dalton coming in is not like not going to crater their season. That being said, the Eagles should be expected to win the division. Yeah, you can, you cannot have your the main rival in the division lose their starting quarterback this early on and still lose the division. Like you cannot lose to Andy Dalton when they play. Like you can't lose to him in Philly, and frankly, you can't lose to him in Dallas. Now, whether they will do that, I don't know, but I do think the expectation should be the Eagles should win this division. The Cowboys' defense is terrible. They don't have their starting quarterback anymore. I was wrong about Mike McCarthy. Like, the coaching staff is bad, right? And Andy Dalton is serviceable, but the last year he was a four-year starter. His quarterback rating was a 78.3. Now, he has more talent around him than he did in Cincinnati, and I think that he could play well. He played well against the Giants late when he went in there. He had a really nice throw to Gallup to kind of, you know, win help the game, seal that yeah. win. Yeah, so I think he'll play well. But if you're Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson, you cannot lose – a uh, a division title to Mike McCarthy and Andy Dalton. And Jim Schwartz is a better defensive coordinator than Mike Nolan. Not even like, close the on Eagles, that one. That's not even close the as Eagles, far as I'm concerned. The Eagles have the advantage at every single notable position of importance. Head coach, quarterback, all those things besides receiver. That's really it. Elliot, right? So, uh, yeah. 
So they have to win the division. That should be the expectation. I even thought this week, all the Eagles have to do is make to the playoffs healthy at this point. Like that was a thought that entered my head about the one, three and one Eagles. So I I think it's there. It's there for the team. I agree. I think they they should be expected to beat the Cowboys. I think they I think they had a real chance to beat him even with Dak there because of how bad that defense is and yeah. how ineffectual that coaching staff has been. And shout out to, again, Elliot, people don't give Elliot enough credit. Elliot admits when he's wrong. There are a lot of people out there who will not admit when they're <laughs> wrong. I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Uh, it's true. Um, but I think to your point, look, the, the biggest thing too, and yes, he has a lot of weapons around him, but Dallas's offensive line is horrendous. They lost both yes. their starting tackles. They lost a guard. Like, they're a mess right now. And Dak Prescott was making that O-line look a lot better than it's been. Like, Dak Prescott can get away from stuff. Andy Dalton can't. Like, that's going to be an issue for that team. I'm really with you. I think that the—it's great. It's absurd. I mean, they, they're 1-3-1, and one, and I think they're going to lose on Sunday, and they're going to be 1-4-1, one, and one, and they're still, in my mind, the favorite for the division. I mean, that's asinine, Elliot. I mean, the, the Cowboys were averaging 30, almost 33 points a game with Dak Prescott at quarterback. The one thing that I always said the reason I thought Dallas was favorited is because they score points. I don't know if they're going to average 33 points a game with Andy Dalton, at quarterback, right? And the defense, I guess, will improve a little bit. Like, they're not going to give up 36 points a game on the season, but I don't think they're going to be that much better. So I, I do think that the division is absolutely there for the taking. The question is, how do the Eagles react to winning the division and how that impacts certain decisions? But that's a discussion for another pod. Yeah, that and that's a whole. There's so many. I mean, that could be multiple pods worth. And I'm sure we'll get into all that stuff. And whether I'm sure there are fans, we've talked to them on, on Saturdays, one to three on WIP, who don't want them to win games, who want them to lose to yes. force things. So we'll get into all that whenever the time comes. But I agree for now, they should be the favorite. It's it's crazy to say in the end. It is. All right, well, we'll talk about Eagles-Ravens in just a sec. But as always, let me remind you, you got to download the Parks Casino Sportsbook app. It is the best sportsbook app out there, the only sportsbook app backed by the number one casino in the whole state of Pennsylvania. It's easy to use your money, your actions, safe and secure on their easy-to-use Park Sports betting app. It is a blast. It is intuitive. It is fun. There's a lot of games you can bet on. In fact, tomorrow... You can just listen to Elliot and I talk about every single game on this slate and give our picks. Elliot has been crushing it with his Parks uh. Parks picks on Twitter. Did you have a rough one recently? No, no. Actually, the Parks Parks picks, I've been doing really well. I actually, I picked uh, I picked the Bears on our bet pod, which we'll get into. Not a great week for me. Yeah. But I tweeted out, once thinking about it more, my Parks Parks bet was Nick Foles plus two and a half, and he outright won the game. So, I am now, I think, nine and two on my parks bets. So I'm doing well. See, that's what you got to do. Or you, again, you can listen to our podcast tomorrow and listen to, you know, me, who's 44 and 31 on the year. No yeah, biggie. you're killing it. No yeah. biggie, crushing it. I can't believe it. And and thank God for this parks app because I actually get to make some money off it, which is awesome. Here's the deal for you sign up now and you get a risk free bet of up to $500. Yes, $500. Just download the app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA. That's P-A-R-X casino.com slash PA and use our promo code GOBIRDS. That's G-O-B-I-R-D-S to get your risk-free bet of up to $500. The website has all the details. Your risk-free bet is refunded on your loss. As a free bet, of course, you must be 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, e, let's get into it. Eagles, Ravens. It's pretty funny because it's kind of a, um, a flip around so to speak, from last yeah. week. 
Last week, I'm the one who's talking myself into it. By the time we do our Saturday show, I'm like, they're going to beat the Steelers. I-, I was all in, and I actually feel vindicated in the sense that they played the Steelers really tough. You were right. Uh, you know, yeah. Close enough to right. Uh, this week, I think we're on opposite sides. I think we're flipping because you feel pretty good about this matchup. I feel of the three-game stretch, the Niners, Steelers, and Ravens, I feel the best about this one wow. from the Eagles' perspective. Wow. T- talk to me, buddy. Talk. And we'll go through well, the match for a sec, but talk to me. So I do think the Ravens are a very good team, but what's interesting is one of your reasons that you thought they could maybe beat the Steelers is because the Steelers hadn't beat anybody. Like, who have the Ravens no, beat? They beat Cleveland. Cleveland is the one win. And that, that's a and that was week one. Yeah. And, you know, who knows, right? I know that they've proven to be very good, but I don't think Cleveland in week one was like a – outstanding win they beat the bad texans they beat washington and they beat the Bengals. now granted the eagles couldn't beat any of those teams so you know there, there's that but i don't know if the ravens are that good and and my main reason i feel good about this game the ravens cannot pass the ball they have not shown this season they are able to have a quality passing game and i very rarely in my years covering the eagles have seen them lose a game when the flat out top reason is they couldn't stop the run like, there, there has been games where teams have had a lot of yards. Like, I went back and looked last year. The Cowboys in that blowout game in Dallas, they had a lot of rushing yards. But watching that, it felt like they won that game because of the passing game. The uh, Vikings threw it all over but ended up with a lot of passing yards because they're up big and they're running the ball, those things. But very rarely do the Eagles lose a game because of the rush defense. And the rush defense is good again this year. And... I don't think the Ravens are going to be able to throw the ball all over this Eagles team. I just don't. Like, Lamar Jackson, dynamic player, has not been good passing the ball this year. In fact, when you look at it, if you look at inaccurate passes, which is what I love to kill Wentz for, right? This year, Wentz's passes, 72% have been deemed catchable. It's like 29th in the league, I think. Lamar Jackson, 28th. 73.3% of passes. So if you're somebody that thinks Wentz's inaccuracy has been hurting this offense, Lamar has been just as inaccurate, right? His completion percentage is 23rd in the NFL. He has 949 passing yards this season. Dwayne Haskins has 939. Nick Foles has 680. And I know that yards aren't the end of the world, but I think that speaks to they have trouble moving the ball through the air. And if, if the Eagles shut down the run, I don't think this is going to be like Chase Claypool 2.0. I, I think that they can stop this Ravens team from moving it through the air. I All right, so let's keep with this selling me. Let's go through the matchups here. As I'm still not sold. I, I just You're swaying, though. I could hear it right I, away I, in your voice. I, I, delay, some, yeah. some good numbers. Let's, let's see how this goes here. Let's keep this rolling. I am, as people probably know, a little easier to sway than you are on such things. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, let's dive yes. in. And, and uh, we'll get to the Eagles O-line versus Ravens D-line in a sec. But you just mentioned the run defense and whatnot. So let's start with the Eagles D-line versus this Ravens O-line. Because if they are going to beat the Ravens, uh, clearly this defensive line is going to have to have a good game. They're going to have to get to Lamar. They're going to have to stop the run, and they're going to have to be the strength of this team because guess what? Talent-wise, they're the strength of the team. So how do you see this matchup shaking out? How good is is Baltimore's O-line, and, and can the Eagles win this battle? Well, Baltimore's O-line is really good, and this feels like the third week in a row the Eagles have faced a really good offensive line. I thought they did good against the Niners, not as good against the Steelers, they ironically ended up with more hurries against the Steelers than they did the Niners, but I think just watching it, the pass rush was better against the Niners. Um, oddly enough, if I think of like random players that you really like, Ronnie Stanley is high on that list. Love Ronnie I don't know Stanley. why. Like, yeah, like mentally, I have that note in my head that Big you love Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley. Good, player. Um, good at Notre Dame. Always been in. 
There you go. So their their line's very good. Uh, uh, Ronnie Stanley is, is very good. The interior of their line is pretty good. Uh, they start a rookie at right guard, but he's played you know pretty good for a rookie. And they have the third best pass blocking offensive line in uh, according to Pro Football Focus. And we know they can run block because they're one of the best running teams in the league. So they have a very good offensive line. I think the Eagles, because their defensive line is so good, maybe you can hope to break even with this matchup. But uh, I would be surprised if the Eagles. Like we're in Lamar Jackson's face all day, and obviously we know how tough he is to bring down, even if you do get in his face. I, I appreciate that you almost called him pro football fuckus. It was really close. Oh, damn. <laughs> it sounded like there it. There you go. Like, I think well, I, can... I love pro football focus, <laughs> I know so you I do. know we're on different I'm pages surprised there, the Eagles but... fans have not come up with that yet. That seems pretty obvious. All right, Elliot, let's, uh, let's flip it around the other side. Is this Eagles O-line going up against a good Ravens front? The Ravens defense, as you mentioned, has been terrific. Clayus Campbell, obviously a name that stays out on that defensive line for them but you know a young Eagles offensive line will we see Lane Johnson this week if not how do you see the shake you know how do you see it lining up from left to right and can this young group compete with this really good Ravens front so I don't think Lane Johnson is going to play he hasn't practiced so far this week Uh, we'll see what he does on Friday but Friday is a very light day so even if he does do anything I wouldn't read too much into that but I don't I don't think he's going to play I think you'll see Jack Driscoll out there Matt Pryor weirdly enough missed practice on Thursday so that's something to keep an eye out on but was there any reason for it was it just uh well the report the injury report's not out yet as of the recording okay um so So for some reason my, my guess is an illness that's just my guess but uh we shall see but Regardless, I don't think Matt Pryor or anyone else being in there is a huge difference. So um, I don't think the Ravens' pass rush is that good. I could end up being wrong about this, but when you look at you know who their main guys are, uh, McPhee's very good. Uh, Matthew, J- I'm going to mispronounce his name. It's Judon. Judon is how it's pronounced. I think it's Judon. Judon. I could be wrong, but I think it's Judon. All right, He's a good so he player. has nine hurries. He's a very good player, but Judon. Very, very good player, but... Um, they're, let me see, looking at it. They're 24th in pass rushing on pro football focus. I have a lot of pro football focus stats in here, but that's not great, right? That's like near the bottom of the league. I actually think that if the Eagles offensive line plays even just an average game, Carson should have enough time in the pocket to, uh, to work. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about that? I, I, look, I, I, and coming in the uh, look, I'm, I'm at the point with this group of young guys where I'm just astounded every week. And, you know, Nate Herbig, like, that guy's a good football player, it turns out. Like, Jordan Mailata, yeah. is he really the left tackle of the future? Like, I'm still in disbelief that they are getting as much out of these young guys as they are. Look, the funniest thing, when we talk about all the Eagles coaches and we talk about Schwartz and Peters and how great they are, the best coach on the team for years has clearly been Jeff Stoutland, and he just continues to do it. Year after year after year after year, it doesn't matter. Injuries, it doesn't matter whether it's big fee at left tackle or getting some model to turn into a player, all this stuff. Like, year after year, Jeff Stoutland shows that he is one of the best in the business at his job. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. You put whoever in there, makes you wonder, like, why they paid Brandon Brooks all <laughs> yeah, this money man, and yeah. maybe even yeah. maybe even to a, also extent of Lane Johnson. Well, but, uh, it, I, and Jason Pierce, why you pay him the money and move back to left tackle if – if my lot of if you if you could see this in my lot, I mean, there's a lot of different examples of that, you know. Yeah, a uh, uh, kind of like receiver. I mean, it's a little different because with offensive line, you have to make sure Carson has protection. But I'm kind of in the same mood on the offensive line as I am at receiver. Of let's just watch the young guys play. Me too. Like, let's just me too. You know, no more Jason Peters. Hope- like done. I don't need yes. to see anymore. We're good. 
We're cool. So from this matchup, though, I, I, I like the Eagles' offensive line. All right, uh, moving on to the Eagles' wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, going up against a terrific Ravens uh, secondary backside. I mean, I think we all, you know, Marlon Humphrey, it seems like after he gets that contract, starting to get the credit he deserves as one of the best corners in football. We all know what a what a playmaker Marcus Peters is. Jimmy Smith is a hell of a third cornerback when healthy. I and mean, there's a good football team. Patrick Queen has flashed for them. A, lot, a guy a lot of Eagles fans wanted them to take in that first round. Um, this is a this is one of the strengths of Baltimore's football team. And obviously, uh, uh, for the Eagles, when we talk about you know whether it's Alshon or Deshaun or, or Travis the God Fulgham or whatever, certainly has not been a strength of the Eagles team so far this year. Uh, what do you think about this matchup? And 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 Zach Ertz, like, can Ertz get something going against these guys? Because with this secondary, like, I feel like you need Zach Ertz to win on Sunday. Don't feel great about this matchup. Yeah, <laughs> don't That's don't feel great take. about it. It's the correct um, take. The, the two things to discuss with the Ravens defense, since we didn't when we were talking about their defensive line, is first in the league in points allowed. So it's really hard to score on the Ravens. They're giving up around only 15.2, which is wild. I mean, they've, as we said, not played some great teams, but it's an absurdly low amount of points. So it's very hard to score on them. And they're also very good at taking the ball away. They're third in the league with 10 takeaways. The majority of those are fumbles for what it's worth, which you would think the Eagles can control a little bit more, but three interceptions and you know third in the league. So they are good at, at taking the ball away. I don't like the matchups anywhere here. Um, I do think that they are going to come in prepared for Travis Fulgham. Like it's kind of like when you see a, and this is a high hopes point, but when you see a pitcher, right? Like once he has to make his second way through the division or whatever, like his second time around the team, then you see how really good he is once there's tape on him. Mm -hmm. Like this is the Travis Fulgham. Let's see how good he can be game. Because if he can put up numbers against this team, when they're coming in, trying to stop him, that then, you know, you really have something, but um, I don't like this matchup at all. And the linebacking core is like especially painful for Eagles fans to watch mm -hmm. because Patrick Queen, been really good. LJ Fort, really good against the run. Both could have been Eagles. So, you know, uh, but I think that's this is a very tough matchup for the Eagles. Yeah, I agree. And and I think the Fulgham point is a great point. It's a really great point. This is the first game that Travis Fulgham will go into in his NFL career where a team is actually truly game plan for him. Has actually yeah. looked and said, all right, this is their guy now. We got to stop him. It's going to be fascinating. If Travis Fulgham flashes again on Sunday, if he has a big game, especially against Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters and those types of guys, man, then all of a sudden I think that is Travis Fulgham real talk will really gain a a, a layer of com like real like complexity yes. to it. Like It's like, oh, my God, this guy might actually be real. So I I'm with you. I think that's one of the biggest things to watch on Sunday is, is how Fulgham – um, does against his defense. It's a great point. All right, flipping it around uh, to our maybe not as good, can we say, quarters, linebackers, and safeties. <laughs> is, that, is it fair to say not as good? I mean, we're talking one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, Elliot, I think this is obviously coming off this game in Pittsburgh, the Nate Gary week that we have had, all that stuff. Um, cornerbacks, linebackers, safety. First and foremost, will they get anyone back? Whether, you know, you mentioned Will Parks potentially playing. That could be big. Where are we at with Maddox, like that type of stuff? And and then how can they match up against at least, you know, a, a worse group than Pittsburgh? We at least say that. They don't have the the weapons that Pittsburgh does in this part of the field. But obviously, you know, some talent here as well. Mark Andrews is a stud. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, so not as good as Pittsburgh, as you mentioned. I mean, from a, a 
personnel perspective, Avante Maddox was limited on Wednesday. That's the most important day of practice. So we'll see. Darius Slay did not participate because of a concussion. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's cleared and he plays. But at the very least, he's going to miss time in practice leading up to the game. So that that's not great. Um, Hollywood Brown, another guy that should have been an eagle, especially mm-hmm. over Andre Dillard. But I kind of like the matchup of Darius Slay if he's healthy against him. I, I, you know, I think just a younger player versus a veteran. He's not as quick as Hollywood Brown, but I do think he'll he could do pretty well against him. Outside of that, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, uh, Devin Duvernay, who I like but has not done much as a rookie. Um, the, the Eagles should be able to contain this passing game. Like I said at the beginning, they do not pass the ball well. So if they can stop the run, I, I you know, you, this is really a game where the secondary has to hold its own if that defensive line can dominate. Um, and then the running backs are good. Obviously, we, we know they can run. Um, J.K. Dobbins, who they really like to throw to out of the backfield, is probably the main passing uh, threat there against the Eagles. But I actually think that the Eagles' back seven against these Rams skill position players is kind of close to a wash. Maybe Slay advantage Eagles if I really had to pick, wow. but I, I think it's it's a wash. Okay, and that's of course if Slay's out there. I think if Slay's not out there, that yes. downgrades it significantly. But it's a great point. Things could get ugly if yeah. Slay's not out there. My biggest yeah. worry is it's funny with these guys, and particularly with a guy like Duvernay or Hollywood Brown, like those really super fast guys. I worry as much about them in like jet sweeps and in the running game yep. and and trick not trick necessarily trick plays, but misdirection type stuff. I worry about that more than than in the passing game. So. Um, and that's obviously something the Eagles have been consistently killed on this season. So I think that's, I think you're right, though. I think that is like, that's not a, a super impressive group. There's some speed, there's some upside. But other than Mark Andrews, I don't think you're really worried. You don't game plan for anyone there. You know, I, again, other than speed as, a, as its own thing. Um, um, so re- really quick on the misdirection stuff, because um, I've heard you guys talking about it on your show with, with Richie all week. I, I do think that the misdirection stuff is a concern, but in the same way, that I don't think rolling Carson out is a long-term answer. I don't think the Eagles are going to be like beat consistently or lose a game because of misdirection. I think it, it'll hurt them. But the reason the Eagles' defense, when they've struggled, is not because of solely misdirection. It's just because of like bad scheme, like just getting beat, that type of stuff. Like yes, the Ravens might get the Eagles once or twice on misdirection, but I still think the Eagles, if they play the level of defense they're capable of, we'll be able to keep this Ravens team under under 30 points, okay. uh, maybe low 20. Okay, so. I like it. I like it. All right, let's get to the big matchups, you know, not necessarily on the field versus each other, but Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, obviously, you know, both guys who um, have had that, that magical year, you know, and um, it's a question of, of what happens after. We all know the Carson story. It looks like Lamar Jackson certainly so far this year has not been the league MVP that he was last year. Um, what do you think about the matchup of Wentz versus Jackson? So this is, I mean, Lamar Jackson's better than Carson Obviously, Wentz. Obviously, yeah. I mean, again, he is yes. the reigning league MVP. Yes, he's more dangerous. Jim Schwartz said this week that he is the most dangerous player in the league. Uh, ironically, they're having Jalen Hurts pretend to be him in practice, I which I guess makes sense. But It makes a ton of is... sense, but it's also like, wow, great. Good good use of a second-round yeah. pick. He's your, he's your, you know, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh what do they call him? Decoy. Decoy. Pra- in <laughs> like practice. Practice yeah. squad guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a practice. He's normally a practice squad guy who does that. So, great. Um, prediction. I think this week you're going to see the Eagles try like an actual real trick play with Jalen Hurts, oh, like please. involving Carson How Wentz. How cool would that be? How cool would that be? Like we saw Dak Prescott score a touchdown before he, 
You know, we heard his yeah. ankle. Like, do something fun. Do something weird. Like, let's go. This is a really good defense. You do have to – like, that's the kind of stuff the Eagles are going to have to do to win this game. Like, they're going to have to get some points, whether it's a defensive touchdown, whether it's you know, special teams, whether it's trick plays. Like, you got to find ways to create a mismatch for you because if you just line up your 11 versus their 11, their 11's better. Yeah, my only counter to that would be the Eagles are like – not operating at a high level and trying those like the the Philly special work because the Eagles were operating at a, a unreal level at that point. I would have worry about trying a trick play, but that's just my guess. Let's say I think the Eagles are are potentially going to try something pretty tricky. So, but overall, look, the advantage goes to Lamar Jackson. I know he's not been passing it well. I get all those things, but Carson Wentz, even though he's showing signs of improvement, has still been outside of the top twenty-five in quarterback play this year. So. Um, Carson, I think the arrow is pointing up. I think Lamar Jackson, it's not pointing down, but it's more like kind of staying the same, I guess. But I still think that uh, they they have the advantage in this matchup. Yeah, I think you have to give it to Lamar. And again, especially, he's so dynamic. And and even if he's been struggling this year, he's, so is Carson. So I, uh, I'm with you on that. But I do think it is the type of matchup where you hope that Carson kind of gets up for it. You hope that Carson, you know, looks at this and is like, I was that guy before, like, let's go. So... We'll see. Yeah. All right. I think the biggest matchup of the day, uh, ultimately, when it comes down to it, as it is most games, is, is the matchup with the coaches. And we got two Super Bowl winning coaches here, you know, two legit, certainly, you know, John Harbaugh, you know, on, on a track to be a Hall of Fame coach the way he's coached, you know, the last since 2008, whatever he's been with the Ravens. Um, and obviously, we love Doug. What do you think about this matchup here? You know, the interesting coaching part of this matchup is Marty Morningwig was with them last year and is now on the Eagles That's a staff. good point. I did not think about that. You're right. And was with, with Harbaugh for a while there. Yeah. So I, I think that could potentially be a benefit to the Eagles. Um, John Harbaugh, in a way, is kind of could be like Doug's blueprint of a coach that won early, had some sustained success after, success after that, but then dipped, like hit a bottom and then was able to rebound, um, you know, got a new quarterback, which which helped him. But uh, in this matchup, I, I guess I would take Doug. I mean, John Harbaugh is a great coach, but I think Doug has the chance to change a game on Sunday more than John Harbaugh does, if I had to pick. Um, but I, I think they're both great coaches, so I, I can't really pick out of them. But if I had to, I'd pick Doug. What yeah, I'm the I'm like same idea. They're both great coaches. I'd be happy to have either, but I would go the other way. I would take Harbaugh. I I've been so impressed with what Harbaugh has done. And, and to the point of getting a new quarterback, yeah, he got a new quarterback, but he was also willing to completely revamp his team to base around that quarterback, which, as you know, I've had some issues with Doug, with the stubbornness and all that. I think Harbaugh is a very adaptable, a very uh, flexible head coach, and I think that's a, a, a the most important skill a coach can have. Um, I think Harbaugh is is one of the best to do it. But again, I, I'm not. this is not a slight on Doug. I love Doug. I think Doug's great. I just think... I would put Harbaugh right after Belichick, personally. Uh, Harbaugh, Andy, Belichick, and then I think Doug's in that next group um, for me. Mm-hmm. So I would go Harbaugh. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to the pick. It's time. The Eagles are a seven and a half point home dog. Ali, uh, and I think we know which way you're going. Certainly in terms of the line. So we'll get to you in a sec. I'll make my pick because I've kind of waffled and wavered and stuff like that. And I think it's pretty clear to everyone listening that I'm going to pick the Eagles to lose this one. Um, I'm also going to pick Baltimore to cover. I think Baltimore's a better team. I made the mistake last week of, yes, it was a close game, but I still lost. I still bet the Eagles to cover. They didn't. I think it's a similar type of game. I think the Eagles hang with the Ravens, but I think ultimately Baltimore pulls away and wins by 10 points or 14 points or something. <coughs> you there? 
Oh, sorry. I apologize. I hit mic. Um, no I worries. Hit, uh, mute on my I mic. Can, I can edit it. No worries. So just go like normal. Yep. Well, James, I came into this pod unsure of who I was going to pick. I have written down one prediction for this game, and it was Ravens 24, Eagles 21. I have pulled off the rare accomplishment of convincing myself throughout the, uh, <laughs> the pod. That's how good I am at arguing, that I have convinced myself that's I'm awesome. going to pick the Eagles to win this wow, game. And I man. think I'm wow. I think I'm going to pick them from here on out. Like this is I mean, I mean on my other spots, not like for the rest of the season. Right, right. But it's like wow, I, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 11 I, 3 I and 1 or 12 3 and 1. Yeah. I think they're going to win the wow. game. They're at home. They have fans. Uh That's true. I just, we didn't talk about that. They will have fans in the stands. That's something from an emotional lift standpoint. Yeah, I mean this Eagles team has played better each of the last 2 weeks. The first three weeks of the season, they were averaging 19 points a game. The last two weeks, they're averaging 27, I believe. So they're, they're scoring more points. I'm like all in on the Jim Schwartz is going to fix the defense bandwagon. Maybe that's just because people are ripping me on Twitter, so I believe it even more than I used Leading to. But in. Yeah, I, I just – the Ravens are a very good team, but I just – you don't see the Eagles lose games because of the rushing defense. And the Ravens win by running the ball. And – so I'm going to pick the Eagles, wow. 24-21. I'll flip I it. love I'm it. Picking the Eagles. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. Wow, I love it. I love What a win. I mean, if they beat the Ravens and they win two of three of this stretch yeah. of the Niners, Steelers, and Ravens, it's a whole different outlook on the season, I think, for everybody. So from that perspective, it's a massive, massive game on Sunday. All right, uh, everyone, rate and review the podcast. As you know, once we get to 2,000 five-star reviews, we will take the SATs, post our scores, and be made fun of. We are now up to 1,365 star reviews. Elliot, we're, we're cruising along here. We're getting close. We are. We are. We're getting a solid amount each week. We had a bit of controversy this week. Somebody commented that they posted something about Dallas, and it was deleted. Ooh. I'm going to go ahead and guess they were using like an obscene amount of expletives, but <laughs> it, it could also be that maybe... Apple's a Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh, I mean, could man. that be it? So, okay, so we have to test this theory, right? Yes, I mean, there's only one way yes, to figure this out. The only out. way to do this is to leave a five-star review and say something bad about the Dallas Cowboys, and we see what happens. So I think what, what, what you do is, if you listen to the podcast right now, you have the phone in your hand, more than likely, leave a comment as to why you hate Dallas. This will make James' entire week. I mean, leave a comment as to why made. you hate Dallas, just having we this will conversation. read all of them on the next pod. Yeah, just having this conversation yeah. has made my week. Dallas sucks. They suck so there you hard. Go. So I just want to make sure that we get this out there. Like Dallas sucks. Let everyone know that Dallas sucks by reviewing this podcast and saying Dallas sucks and many other things about Dallas, but Dallas sucks. Okay. I feel like p certain people in life were like born to say certain things and do certain things. <laughs> There's something about the way you say Dallas sucks that just sounds so natural. <laughs> it, it's that, like it's like you like were born to do it. Thank you. It's impressive. That, actually, so might, anyway, Elliot, that leave might a comment. Be, Elliot, that might be the best compliment anyone's ever given me. Thank you. There you go. There you go. So, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll, let's get to the reviews, but leave yes. a comment and we'll see if this is factual about them censoring yes. versus Dallas. So I am uh, very very excited about this first review because I am dying to see how you're going to try and pull this name off. Well, it's interesting. So I thought you were going to try to read it, but <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's both give it a try. I would go. Fidget. Well, Did I, nail I think it? you got the end wrong there. Furf. It's I more got the of like a, at the end wedge. 
I guess maybe like <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of F's and J's. So for, so, for those listening, it's W H E J F J F J F F F F N G N F J F U R I F. That is the name. Yeah. I'm just trying to say his comment though. Five star review was, how do you feel about all of the Eagles hyping up Carson's block? He had against that corner on the 49ers. Do you think he can keep the locker room while he's in, while he's still struggling? Um, I think, yeah, I think players see that you like to see the quarterback, you know, trying hard. That's especially a play where he could have kind of mailed it in if he really wanted to. He's being taken out from under center for Jalen Hurts, something he could potentially be upset about. So to see him give that effort, I definitely think it like catches the attention of, of players in the locker. 100%. We all remember that hit in the Panthers game that we thought was stupid, but it got his team going. Like the goal line, yep. the shoulder, like like players love that crap. Like love it. I'm I think it was it's absolutely the type of thing that players notice. Yeah, I think so I think it was very good. Uh the next one, uh Jay Kopko. Um, was the call to put Gary on Claypool at the end of the game after scoring three touchdowns a fireable offense? Secondly, if the Eagles lose Super Bowl 52, which Schwartz have gone, the defense gave up close to record-breaking numbers that game, but it was brushed under the rug, under the rug since Foles led them to the W. Um, no, I don't I don't think so. I don't either. Well, they if, made they, to the if Super they Bowl. lose the game, maybe, but... Uh, Even then, he wouldn't have gotten fired right so. after the game. Like, they made it to the Super Bowl that year. Like, if they lost the game, right. maybe down the road, Schwartz would get less, you know credit than he does or whatever but like they also do not make the super bowl if his team doesn't play great against atlanta yes. if his team doesn't shut down minnesota so you know come on come on yeah this whole, i don't think he's enough yeah. enough with the super bowl they won the freaking super bowl can we stop just crapping all over jim schwartz they won the super bowl and they don't make it there without jim schwartz's defense enough enough and and also enough. it's funny how the, a criticism of schwartz is always his defense don't doesn't create turnovers like Brandon Graham made an unreal play. He deserves credit for that. But if you're going to kill him for never creating turnovers, and I think he deserves some credit for his defense f- forcing the most important turnover in the history of the franchise. Like, so not a good game from him for sure overall. I mean, they were playing the goat, Tom Brady. But like, no, I don't think I don't think he would have been fired. Hundred percent agree. All right, one more. Yeah, go for it. Philly fan in Texas with a little PH there. I like that. All oh, right. there you go. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Te- you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, tell me my nightmare isn't coming true. The Eagles win the NFC East at 6-9-1, get a home playoff game as the worst division winner ever. And host number one wildcard Bears, Foles versus Wentz in the playoffs. The city explodes. Oh, man, I had not thought of this, Elliot. You know, he calls it his nightmare. I would maybe pay cash for this to happen. <laughs> I mean, could you? Could it you imagine Foles versus Wentz, it which is my favorite amazing. sports debate? It would be oh, amazing. Un, I, yeah, I would definitely pay cash yeah, to see this I would happen. Too. I would this too. would be unreal. This would be, I mean, look, the Super Bowl is obviously a big game, but like th- this would probably be the biggest game of my Eagles lifetime. Like, I don't think I've, I would have ever been more Eagles. excited for a game. Other than the Super Bowl, I mean. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, dude. <laughs> Foles versus Wentz in the playoffs, like it's honestly, it's not that much different than like LeBron MJ for me. Like it's like you want to talk about something that settles a debate. Like I don't know, man. Well, I mean, that would it be still wouldn't unreal. settle the debate because the debate is all about other people around you and all those types of things. But regardless, it would be it would be pretty epic. Oh, it would be who has all right better chance of making the playoffs? Eagles or Bears? 
Eagles, Eagles yeah, just because of the division, yeah. yeah. But but I, yeah. look, I think the Bears are probably a better football team than the Eagles. And I don't even think the Bears are that good, but I think they're probably better than the Eagles. But um, definitely the Eagles. Who would you pick? Division. Obviously, I'd pick Wentz. Come on. <laughs> all right. Come on. God, I hope this happens. Yeah. It would, right. be, it would be amazing and horrible all at the same time. Uh, all right. Uh, shout out to Q Ritt. J Boone 42. Ill Dilly from Philly. Party time Billy. Uh-huh. More phenomenal. Titan Laxer 35. Ooh. Indiana Eagle. J Bub Usai Serjabuv, I think. There you I think go. I nailed it. Chuck Brook. I figure you always do this. I'll, I'll shout it out. Yeah, it's time. your turn for Chuck sure. Chuck Brook, Evan Carroll, 27, Coach 48, Crane Holmes, TDH 57, Wentz the Process, Pat McCord, and Slime Baba Yaga. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you for the reviews, guys and gals. And well, uh, We're getting there. We're yeah, getting there. Keep them coming. Five-star reviews. Tell us why Dallas sucks. Uh, any final thoughts, E? Yeah, I actually have a really quick one. So uh, I went out to dinner with my uh, my parents uh, on Wednesday night and my brother was there and he brought his girlfriend and it's the first time I've like Ooh. in my lifetime that like my brother is like you know like had like a real girlfriend yeah. that like comes to family events because for those not, for those listening doesn't know he's just now a freshman in college so I was in like eighth or ninth grade when he was born and very weird experience. I know you don't have a younger sibling. I but do. Like... I have a younger brother. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yes. that's right. He's I, married. So I've been, I've been through this whole thing before. My younger brother is it's... married. I've been to my brother's wedding. It's weird, right? Yeah, it's very weird. Like it's they weird. like they like split an entree and like walked in <laughs> together. It's... it's probably weirder for you because my brother and I are four and a half years apart. So we kind of grew up together for you. Like being so much older, you look at your brother as like, you know, so much younger than you. So it's like, a. I think it's probably even more kind of impactful in that way. Cause it's like, that's my, my little dude, you know? Yeah. It's just, it was a very weird experience and she was very nice. And you know, obviously Jude was a complete gentleman as you would expect. So it was fun and I'm happy we did it and everything, but it's just like, we literally ate outside at a spot across the street from his, uh, like preschool. So it was just like, <laughs> it's like all the weirdness was, possible. Yeah. All the weird feelings coming back at once. So, uh, Anybody out there that has a younger sibling that, that's considerably younger than them, if this once this happens to you, it's gonna be very weird. But, I love it. I love yeah, it. So that awesome. that was my Wednesday night. That's good times. Rate and review the podcast again. We get to two thousand five star views. We're taking the SATs. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh our parks picks pod. We will go through every game on the slate. And then of course Saturday one to three on WIP and Sunday night. The Ravens Eagles post game show. Until then, he's Elliot M. James. We'll see you guys later.